It's good to be back with you all this morning, and I just want to greet the uh, men on the fishing trip. I know they're watching the live broadcast right now, and you think they're out fishing right now, or you think they're watching live? Well, yeah, we'll find out when they get home. Ask them some really hard questions about the message and see what they say. But uh, no, it sounds like you've got a lot of exciting things going on, and and uh, that is encouraging. Encourage you all to to keep going, keep following Christ, and keep sharing the gospel. Right? That's what we're here for. And uh, I'm glad to be here with you this morning to share the word with you again. Let me begin just by having a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we are thankful that uh, you have made yourself known. You've made yourself known through your creation that shows us how powerful you are and that you exist. But God, now we're turning our attention to your other revelation, your word, which uh, specifies exactly what you're like in your characteristics and attributes, what you desire for our lives. And so I pray that as I explain and, and apply that revelation from you to your people, that it be accurate, that it be helpful, that your spirit would work in us to receive the truth. We ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. I heard a pastor say recently uh, about a verse in scripture that's very similar to the passage we're gonna study together this morning that he wished one small word was different. I'm gonna read this verse to you. I want you to see if you can guess which small word he wished was different. Very familiar verse, James chapter one, verse two. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now let's see if you can guess, which small word does that pastor and probably us as well <laughs> wish was different? It's not joy. When. You got it. How we wish that verse read like this. Count it all joy, my brothers, if you meet trials. But it doesn't say that, does it? In fact, Jesus himself said, in this world you might have, no, you will have tribulation, John 16, 33. You and I are going to face trials. We're gonna suffer in this life, it's inevitable. And even as Christians, we, we don't get saved and then all of a sudden, all the suffering goes away and enjoy heaven on earth. That's not the way it works, is it? If anything, we get saved and following Jesus may cause us to suffer more, which makes us long for heaven even more. I think I've told you before, I'm a, I'm a hospice chaplain, and so often I'm talking to people who are going through suffering. And one of the things that I'm just watching as they're going through this suffering is kind of a powerless feeling to tell you the truth, but what I'm looking for is, is how are they responding to their suffering? Some people confide in me that there's nothing to look forward to and they wish they would just die. Some people are hoping that maybe they can get just a little bit of their health back so that they can enjoy just a little bit of the activities they used to 
and joy. Some are depressed and just watch TV to pass the time. A lot of people ask, why is God leaving me here? What is the point? And I want you to consider, how do you respond to the suffering in your life, both big and small, it could be traffic, it could be a tragedy. How do you respond? Do you complain and grumble? Do you try to numb out with substances or entertainment or food? Do you get depressed and stay in bed? Do you get anxious and suffer panic attacks? Do you simply grin and bear it with no real emotional response? If you read what God says about it in his word, our response to, to suffering should be joy, to rejoice. Now, if you're like me, that is not your natural response. It's not mine. In fact, you may ask, how is it possible to rejoice, to count it all joy, when the doctor tells me or someone I love they have a serious disease? How's it possible to rejoice when you stand at the graveside of a loved one or when you've uncovered the infidelity of a spouse or the rebellion of a child? How about when the employer informs you of your termination or when people mock you for your faith or even just the day-to-day nuisances that are reality of life in this world? How in the world can you rejoice in those circumstances? Well, the answer that we find in Romans chapter five, verses three through five, is that there is something we know that promotes a joyful response to suffering. So if you would turn in your Bible, Romans chapter five, verses three through five, that's where we're gonna be spending our time this morning And I'm gonna read starting in verse one just so you get the, the context. But we're gonna to see together the, the, the reason that we can respond to our suffering with joy is because there is something we know, there is a, a perspective we have on it that promotes joy. So let's read together in God's word. Romans chapter five, verses one through five, paying special attention to three, four, and five. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
Now, just to summarize what's happening in these verses, the Apostle Paul is explaining the blessings of being justified by faith. Really, Romans 1 through 4 is about how unrighteous people, you and I, can be declared righteous by God. How how does that happen? And the answer is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way, because our sin, he paid for on the cross, his righteousness is counted to us. It's a marvelous truth. We could spend a lot of time on that. I won't. Because we are justified by faith, we have great blessings. Peace with God is mentioned. We have access to and stand in God's grace. And we rejoice in the hope of God's glory in heaven. Right? These are wonderful blessings that are ours because we are justified by faith, those of us who are followers of Christ. As great as those blessings are, they don't remove suffering from this life. So the shift in verse three is not only do we rejoice in these wonderful blessings, but we as Christians rejoice in our sufferings in this life as well. And the reason that we can do that is because we know something. The most important word in these verses is knowing. So what is it that you and I need to know that will enable us to have joy in suffering? Well, this is what we're gonna look at in verses three through five. You need to know that God uses suffering to produce three spiritual benefits in a Christian's life. When you go through suffering as a Christian and respond to it with God's perspective, it is the most spiritually productive time in your life. When do you pray the most, right? So we need to know and understand and view our sufferings in light of these three spiritual benefits and pursue them when we're suffering so that we can be joyful about the work of God in the midst of difficulty in our lives. Nobody is saying, I'm certainly not saying suffering alone is joyful or that we are joyful about our suffering. But as Christians, we rejoice because suffering is an opportunity to develop spiritually for the work of God to be deepened in our life. So if you wanna follow with me, here's the outline. We're gonna consider three spiritual benefits produced in our lives by God when we suffer. The first spiritual benefit is this. You see it at the end of verse three. Suffering produces endurance. We know that suffering produces endurance. Now, the word for endurance literally means to bear up under the pressure or the, the weight of the difficulty. It's the ability to live underneath the suffering rather than escape the suffering. And it's not just putting up with difficulty, but rather bearing up underneath it in faith, 
trusting that God is good and does good, being willing to learn in it rather than caving in spiritually to the pressure and responding in unbelief and in unloving ways. And the simple fact is this, you and I know it, you don't develop endurance unless you go through suffering. They they might be fishing this morning, but when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about some of the young men you have in this congregation that uh, played football for Harrisonville High School. And let me tell you, they they didn't develop endurance by avoiding the weight room or the practice field where their coaches intentionally forced them to suffer. And they did it, why? For the purpose of developing endurance. And some of these guys went to college and, and played. How much more valuable then is it for us when we go through suffering in this life to develop spiritual endurance? Endurance and trusting God. The reality is when we go through suffering, it shows whether or not our faith is genuine, whether or not we're going to endure with Christ or fall away and show ourselves to be an unbeliever. Jesus told a parable that illustrates that reality. It's called the parable of the sower, right? It's found in three of the gospels. It pictures a man who is sowing seed, right? And some of the seed falls on a path and some of the seed falls on rocky soil, some among thorns and some on good soil. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples about the seed that fell on rocky soil, the the picture that that is. Jesus says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. When suffering comes, it is an opportunity for immense spiritual benefit, to endure in the faith and thus show that our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is genuine. We might waver. We certainly will have moments of lacking faith, doubting, but as we bear up underneath the suffering, God is developing within us endurance, and suffering is necessary to develop that endurance. So knowing that, the next time you're in heavy traffic, the next time the doctor tells you it's not something you wanna hear, certainly it's sad, it's frustrating, et cetera, but we can know God is doing a work in me. He's developing endurance, and because of that, I can rejoice. And that leads us to a second spiritual benefit found in the first half of verse four. The second spiritual benefit that God produces when we suffer is character. The beginning of verse four, and endurance produces character. 
Now, I really prefer other English translations that, that say proven character because that's really what the, the, the idea is here. It's the kind of character that has been tested and has passed. It's been approved. This word for proven character is believed to have been used when describing the process of refining metals, right? How do you refine metal? You expose it to extreme heat in order to remove the impurities so that the metal is, is tested and proven and strong and pure. Well, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses six and seven say this. It says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? So that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's proven faith. It has endured the heat of suffering, the impurities removed. It is shown to be genuine rather than fake like that seed that fell on rocky soil. I don't know about you, but when I think about suffering in the Bible, where does your mind go? What person does your mind go to when it comes to suffering? Jesus, that's usually the right answer. I have something else in mind. Let's start with a J. <laughs> Job, right? You, you Jesus people are more spiritual than us. <laughs> that is true. But uh, also Job, if anybody in the Bible knew about suffering, certainly it would be him. If anybody knew about enduring through difficulty in order to have proven character, it would be him. And he makes a really interesting comment, Job does, in Job chapter 23, verse 10. Just listen to what he says. Listen to his perspective. What does he know about suffering? He says, when the Lord has tried me, I shall come out as gold. In other words, I realize the suffering that I am, I am enduring is being used by the Lord like heat. And when I come out the other side, I will have proven character. That shows us that we can rejoice in suffering not because the heat feels good, it does not but because it has a gracious purpose in the plan of God for my life. Let me say that again. Suffering has a gracious purpose for your life as a child of God. No, it doesn't feel good, but it is for my good. The proving of my character so that my faith in Christ is purified and my character is transformed into the likeness of Christ. In fact, one of the, the best known verses we might draw upon when suffering is Romans 8.28. Maybe you have shared this with someone suffering. Maybe someone has shared it with you when you were suffering. We know, what do we know? Again, it's back to what we know. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Right, you ever heard that or use that? God's working it out for good. Here's the problem, what good? 
Some of you have been through extreme tragedy that you couldn't possibly call good in and of itself. What's the good that this verse is talking about? Well, actually, we need to read verse 29. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. In other words, God marked out before time that his people would be changed in their character to look like Jesus. That our character would be changed from sinful and self-serving to Christ-like, faithful, humble, loving, patient, etc. That's the good that God is working in suffering. So if God hasn't taken you home yet, if he has left you here in this life, even if you're in suffering, he still wants to work on you to make your character more like Christ's. And he has an eternal purpose in mind. I like how one Bible scholar said it, commenting on this, this transformation, this change that God wants to work in us through suffering. He said, the newborn child of God is precious in his sight, but the tested and proven saint means even more to him because such a one is a living demonstration of the character developing power of the gospel. Oh yes, God the Father cherishes his newborn children. Oh, but he values also his children whom he has grown and developed and strengthened over time, even through suffering. So no, suffering in and of itself may not be good, but endurance and suffering produces proven character, and that is good. It has eternal value. We need to put it in perspective of, of eternity, don't we? When we stand in the presence of God after this life is over, all the activities we've enjoyed, all the possessions and the status we obtained, whatever earthly comfort we may have enjoyed, all of that will be left behind, won't it? But whatever spiritual progress we have made will be retained. Remember when Jesus said, store up your treasures, not where, but where? Not here, but there. And suffering is a necessary part of doing that. That leads to the third spiritual benefit in this kind of progression that we see here. Second part of verse four. We know these things. This is how we can rejoice in suffering. We know that it produces endurance. We know that endurance produces character. And we know that character produces hope. Character produces hope. It brings us all the way back full circle to verse two, where those who have been justified by faith rejoice in what? Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So what's this hope? Well, it, it's the same hope. It's that eternal hope that's ours in Christ, the, the hope of the eternal glory of God. It's, it's the same hope, but yet it's stronger, isn't it? 
Through suffering, we cling to God like never before. We, we tend to pray the most. We tend to see his faithfulness in fresh ways. And we come out the other side of the suffering more certain of the hope of eternal glory than when we were before. Our desire to be with our Lord in glory is stronger. Our desire to lay up treasures in heaven and not on earth is stronger. Even more, as one Bible scholar said, I just love this quote. Think deeply about this quote. By the tutelage of suffering, the Lord is fitting us for his eternal fellowship. Just consider that. God desires to use suffering to produce within you hope. A hope that makes you fit to enjoy God forever. God is preparing the way for you to be with him, fit to be with him for eternity. That almost sounds like a gift of grace. It is a gift of grace. And we know that that is what God is doing in the midst of our suffering. So we rejoice about that. God isn't turning his back on me when I'm suffering. Quite the opposite. He is drawing me nearer to himself and preparing me to enjoy him forever. James 1.12 says it this way. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. There's a, a crown, a reward for enduring suffering with faith. And that is our hope. I like a, a story one pastor shared. He was talking about a, a dear lady in his congregation and, and she was going through just months of suffering, preparing for death. And the pastor was going to visit this woman and just kind of tend to her soul. He reached out his hand to take the woman's hand in his own and he asked her, are you scared? Much to his surprise, the woman slapped his hand away. She said, scared? Why would I be scared? My whole life has been building up to this. Over the past few months, I have repented of so many sins. God has really been at work within me. He has been preparing me for this. That sounds like a lady who knew something. She knew that she was being fit for eternal fellowship with God. And that's something we can rejoice about even in the midst of tragedy, pain, suffering. It's hope. And it's hope that's refined even as we suffer. So the more we endure, the more our character is proven. 
the more our character is proven, the more we eagerly look forward to our eternal fellowship with God. And that is a hope that will not put us just to shame. Look at verse five. Character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Another way to say it, we have a hope that does not disappoint, that will not leave us hanging. For a believer in Jesus Christ, we will never be disappointed because God will fulfill his promises. Our faith will become sight. And even in the meantime, as we await our eternal reward, that eternal fellowship with God, God has given us confirmation that our hope will not disappoint. He has poured his very love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. What do we tend to question when we experience suffering? What, what attribute of God do we perhaps, what are we maybe perhaps tempted to question? Does God really love me? If he is all loving, then why am I going through this? And it's in that moment that we need to come back to what we know. What do we know? I know God is bringing me through this because he loves me. He's bringing me through this for my spiritual benefit. And when I look to the cross of Jesus Christ, I realize he loves me. He pours out that love. We experience that love in its deepest form, not actually when things are going the way we want them to in this life, but we actually experience that love in its deepest form while we what? While we suffer. No, suffering is not an indication that God doesn't love you. Suffering is actually an invitation for you to enter more deeply into the Father's love. There was an American student who was about to depart for Hong Kong. He wanted to, to go to Hong Kong to study the, the Chinese church. Before he left the, the United States, a friend asked him, you know, if, if God loves the Chinese church so much, why has he allowed so much suffering to come upon it? And the, the student, the American student, had no answer. But after he had traveled to China and talked in depth with many Chinese Christians, he came back to America and he asked this, his friend this question. If God loves the American church so much, why hasn't he allowed us to suffer like the church in China? That's somebody who's experienced the truth of these verses. Who saw firsthand and understood, knew firsthand that suffering is not an indication of God's lack of love but it's actually an invitation to experience that love 
in its deepest form. Friends, it's no coincidence that the following verses, verses six through eight, go like this. Let me read them to you and close. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what we call that message? What do we call that news? The gospel. You know the gospel. You know that Jesus died for you even though you were undeserving, right? You realize in that verse it's saying we're not good people. (laughs) We were unworthy for such a sacrifice, such great love. God was willing to do that for you, and you know that. What do you think he's doing in the midst of your suffering? He's loving you through it, and he is preparing you for eternal fellowship with him. What's the proper response to that? Rejoice. Rejoice. Let's pray. Father, how deep is your love for us that you would send your son to live a perfectly righteous life which we have failed to do, to die on the cross for our unrighteous lives, and then to raise him in a hope that cannot be taken from us once we are his. Father, how great is your love I pray for my my friends in this room this morning who are suffering. Lord, I pray for each of you. We're gonna suffer at at some level. Today, this afternoon, tomorrow morning, we're, we're going to endure some kind of a suffering. I pray that we wouldn't be tempted to question your love, but in fact, that we would we would turn to what we know to be true. That you love us, that Christ died for us, and that there is a, a hope ahead of us that will make these momentary afflictions seem light, your word says. So Father, help us to know that each and every day and to rejoice and so give you glory before the watching world. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name, amen.